Welcome back to another exciting edition of the Pointless Exercise Podcast. Uh, we're going to talk baseball, and uh, we're not going to talk about the entire uh, league like Dave and I uh, often do. Instead, we are going to focus on the super exciting red-hot Chicago Cubs. And so uh, with me, the first-time guest on the podcast is Mike Prasnowski. Mike, how are you? Doing well, Andy. It's an honor to be here. How are you doing? Good. So now, in the long, illustrious history of this podcast, you are now the fourth Mike. <laughs> yes. It makes it easy. I can add it, remo- add I can it to re- the collection. Yeah. I can remember people's names if I just keep it very narrow. Uh, might get a little confusing because I'm the second Mike P, though. So, you know, well, I, I'm, I'm not as well versed in to movies as Pusateri is, but. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to get, uh, hard to get confused with, uh. With Mike and in that in his voice, no one is no one sounds like Mike Pusateri. That's true. He's got that classic like Italian Chicago accent. Yeah. <laughs> um, so glad to have you. Um, and we can talk about the Cubs, who just for the purposes of our podcast have decided to score all their runs for the month in one game. So it's very exciting yep. there. As we were recording this, they were beating <laughs> the Pirates ten to one, and by the time we finish, you guys would be like, well, they lost twelve to ten. But um, uh, we'll see what happens. Um, I didn't even notice the third game of a four-game series. I didn't even know I, until tonight. I, that I, I'm literally on the same page with you there. Like, well, I didn't I, know that I, Ryan Dempster is doing the games. <laughs> I was like, oh, God, is that Dempster? Yeah, is, so. is, is he as bad as I think he is? Because, again, I you know as we talked about before, I, I don't have cable. I don't get marquee. I only get to watch on TV every now and then. It's mostly Pat and Ron for me. Yeah, I'm sure we can get yeah, we can get you a password. I'm sure. Um, <laughs> well, it's funny, right? Like I loathe him. I, it's well known. Oh, I, I, I don't hide my loathing for Ryan Dempster for many reasons. He's like he's not a terrible analyst, but he has an awful voice. Awful. Yes, really. He, does. It sounds like it's an NPR host. Doing the he for a guy who you know is Mister uh, Yuckety Yuck Yuck he he's he's kind of soft spoken maybe it's because he's a Canadian and um, mm-hmm. it just it doesn't work um, he's he's better like this where he's when Jim Deshays isn't there because when Jim is you just get reminded that like Jim is so much better why the fuck do we need Ryan Dempster exactly. in the booth so. Uh, but yeah, I'm sure Deshays looked at the Pittsburgh series and went, "I'm not, I'm not doing that." Send, right. uh, send, <laughs> send Canuck boy. Uh, he can go up there. He can go to the game. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so the uh, the Cubs are, you know, they're doing all the right things. So they they called up uh, Nelson Velasquez from Iowa and immediately they put him in the lineup so we could get. Oh no, that's right. They they didn't do that. They why would you want to play him? Um, he did get to pinch hit tonight though. I don't know if they left him in the game. I don't know if it's safe enough. Only a nine-run lead. I don't know if it's safe to keep Nelson right. in the game, but they're have, have they given Jason Hayward his ample amount of playing time yet tonight? <laughs> He's batting right now. As we, uh, I can't. It would oh. be in um, what was the old um, MLB disclaimer? It'd be a uh, un. Oh, the, the uh, un. I can't think of the which un they used. Uh, transmission. We can't do that. Yeah. So here's last night. I was all excited. When he went 0 for 1, he didn't get a hit his first at bat. His batting average dropped to 190. 
And I thought, well, of course he'll make it out next time. And when he does, then I will be able to, because I, I already looked it up. You know, they talk about a guy not hitting his weight. If he got to one, if he got <laughs> under 190, there would only be, here's a nice trivia question for you. There would only be three Cubs on the team whose weight he was hitting. That does include one tiny little Ooh. guy on the injured list. There's a clue. Oh, so who do you think the three so Cubs, and one of them I think is a trick question. Who do you think the three Cubs that Jason Hayward was hitting better than their weight? Ah, uh, man. So I take it we're including, like, some skinny pitcher who's probably there right now that is, like, just getting a cup of coffee. All three, you will know all three of these guys. There's no, no – none of them are obscure. Okay. I mean – well, one of them I gave you a hint. One of them's a tiny right. little guy well, who's Nick, on the injury list. Nick Madrigal. Nick Madrigal. Obvious. 145 pounds. Wow. I mean, Jesus. Come on. <laughs> I don't know what you would do with pounds. Then there's another guy that they list. They list at 145 pounds, but it's clear that they. Um, nobody's weighed him for like the last five years. <laughs> and I don't know what's going on. I don't know if the Cubs don't know a scale. They don't, they don't weigh these guys. Oh, that's, you know, take them down to the. Uh, take him down to the Y. We'll throw him on the scale. That's free. I'm thinking is that uh, well, I, the other guess I had in mind was Nico Horner. Nope. Because he's kind Nico of Nico. I, I believe they list Nico at 190 pounds, which is, uh, I think, BS, but still, that's fine. Right. Yeah. It feels weird. Like, once you break into the big leagues, like, they don't really change it ever for you, which. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> much <laughs> like, to. Uh, much to. Bartolo Colon's uh, appreciation. He got to right, stay or... 185 his entire career, even though he was three Miguel Montero. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Um, That's fine. I gave you an unfair question. So um, the the guy who is listed at 145, which clearly is not 145 pounds, is Christopher Morell. And I know it's I know it's because he was a tiny little guy when they signed him, and they've just never updated it. And then Kyle Hendricks would make sense. 180 pounds. <laughs> Kyle Hendricks, of yeah. course. So there was a skinny little pitcher, but it, I didn't want you to think it was some like 13th guy on the staff. Yeah, I my mind was on like Caleb Killian or someone like that, but yeah, that makes sense for Hendricks because I mean, you know, obviously he's not that weight anymore, but like he has the presence of someone who only weighs about 140 pounds. Mm-hmm. As much as I love Kyle Hendricks, the, but especially I wonder, this year. I don't. Maybe high school wrestlers should try this. If you're trying to make weight, if you just sh- like shrug your shoulders when you weigh yourself, maybe you weigh less. Maybe you just disperse it. <laughs> just bring all the weight up to the top. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, then lean back over the scale. Maybe it won't register. Just got to go the full Craig Kimbrell pre-pitch. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you brought up Hayward. Um, I was reading uh, tweets between Matt Clapp and uh, Bert over at Bleacher Nation today. I believe it was those two, but they were saying, or I know Clapp was talking about how they're, um, the way they're handling, the way they keep forcing Hayward into the lineup is just making fans hate him. Um, yeah. And, you know, I don't, I don't hate him anymore than I ever did. Because I know he's not actually writing, he doesn't write his name in the lineup card. And he's not any good, and I gave up a long time ago that he's ever going to be good. So I save all the hate for Jed and David Ross. I feel like my hate is is properly dispersed. I mean, I couldn't agree more. It's, you know, you've talked about it a bunch. It's a sunk cost at this point. 
Like they, he, you know, I heard. Did, did you happen to hear Jed Hoyer on with Cap earlier today? I, I just saw some of the some of the highlights. Did you see the picture of Cap that um, um, Mark Silverman tweeted out, where he looks just like Noho Hank from? Uh, he's like, look, I found a celebrity. He's like, oh, that's Noho Hank from from Barry. It's like, Dave, I you know you've gone paleo. You might want to might want to mix in a candy bar once in a while. <laughs> yeah. I, and it, not good for the uh, for the shower videos either. If he still does those, or the cryo tank. Maybe the cryo tank is is <laughs> wrinkling him. I don't know. Um, okay, yeah. so what did Jed? What did Jed tell um, Cap and Hood? Basically, giving him the same runaround that, like you know, we've had a lot of guys injured. We've had you know, uh, it, it's created an opportunity for him to play since Seiya Suzuki's been out, and that. You know, he's still a guy that mentors all the young guys. He's a valuable piece to have around. And it's just like at some point, you know, doesn't that message kind of ring a little bit hollow if you plan to be on this team for a long time, knowing that this guy's not going to be around that long? Yeah, I mean, you know you know what a player who can't play that is a mentor. You know, they have a name for those. Coaches. Like, coaches. <laughs> yeah. And I, could, I would be more than happy if you could pay him $22.5 million to coach. I'm fine. I'm all for the Ricketts having to pay every penny of that contract. I have no problem with that. I do not begrudge Jay, or Jason his money. He can, he's, uh, I would say he earned it, but he didn't really earn it. But uh, he deserves it because they offered it to him and he took it. That's fine. But I just, I don't want, I can't watch it anymore. I mean, I was done with it a long time ago. And it's just, it's so bad. Um, yeah, so I think one thing, if this was a normal organization, you'd be like, all right, this sucks. But when Seiya comes back, that clearly is the end of the road for Jay. Because, you know, you got Happen left. It's like Ross has forgotten that Morell can play other positions. He plays him in center all the time, even though they have this gaping <laughs> hole at second base right now. It's like, right. maybe try, maybe just put him there. Um, I think the idea then will be, well, Seiya will go back to right field, and then, then they'll just... But, I don't have any. I mean, I my guess is all that'll happen is they'll send Velasquez back to Iowa, and Hayward will go to the bench where he's where he's completely useless. I mean, he's he's never been a good pinch hitter. He's not going to because he can't hit. He's not really a defensive replacement anymore. I guess he's better than some of the chuckleheads they have out there, but that doesn't make him good anymore. He's definitely taken like a step back in the one department he's been good at over the past like year or so. I'd say. And, you know, what value to really have at that point. So I think it, I know it was in the athletic. I think it was, I think it was Sahadev. Oh, I know what it was. It was, um, they, uh, the athletic baseball podcast. I don't know if you knew this, but back, back when they started that podcast, they had, they had three guys who wrote about the Cubs for the athletic and they decided they needed three guys for a podcast mm-hmm. and they picked two of us. Ah, and then Brett, um, which I never quite understood. <laughs> that was fine. Um, not bitter about that at all. But anyway, so on that podcast, right. which I've never listened to, they were they had like a clip that they embedded into a tweet, and it was sad. It was early. This was I think right before the season started, saying, "Oh, you know, this puts Jed in a really tough uh, position. The right thing to do, he's got to go to Tom Ricketts and say, Tom, you're going to have to eat forty five million dollars worth of salary over the next two years because Jason can't play, and we, and we really shouldn't waste a roster spot on him. Then you have to go." to David Ross and say, 
your buddy, your old buddy from Atlanta, the guy who gave you the let you use the suite on the road through the entire World Series year. Uh, we're getting rid of him for nothing. And I just, I even looked at that clip and went, that's the fucking job. Exactly. That's you what, that's what Jed sometimes. is supposed to do. We're not here to coddle, you know, Rossi so he gets to keep his friends. I thought the whole idea with David Ross was, oh, we're going to get him because Joe's gone too soft on the players. Ross is going to come in. He's going to kick ass. And he's not going to put up with any of this shit. If you're not pulling your weight, you're not playing hard, you're not doing whatever, you know, he's, he's, he's going to mix things up. Uh, unless, unless you're uh, one of the other catchers and you criticize the team for not playing hard, <laughs> then you're going to get called out in the media for that. And then, uh, and then, you, and then they're going to be like, we're probably going to have to trade him now because he's not going to stay. And, um, or you're one of his buddies who needs to be benched and then eventually released. Other than that, Ross is really going to get after it. Yeah, no, for sure. But, you know, it, I think a lot of fans got, like, that impression of Ross because I remember there was a game last year where Javier Baez uh, didn't tag up or something, was it? That he, or, no, he got doubled off of first base after running too far away on a fly ball. Yeah. And Ross benched him then, and we were like, okay, like, Ross isn't actually going to put up with this shit. And then we see that, like, you know, obviously Jason Hayward's, like, poor play doesn't have to do with him, like, losing focus or not trying hard. But just at a certain time, you know, you got to realize the, the spot that your team is in and the spot that your organization is in and realize that he's – not going to be part of it going forward. You might as well put in guys who you could see something here with. Right. Yeah, it's it's never been an effort thing with Hayward. And that's why this whole idea that they're making, this is making Cub fans hate him. It's like, I'm never going to hate him. I it was I thought it was a bad signing when they signed him. Um, I've talked about this a million times on this podcast, but it was the, it's the thing Theo wasn't supposed to do. Right, Theo was the thing to, that Jim Hendry would do. Right, the Hendry thing about oh, we'll find a good player, and we'll pay him like a great player, and he'll become a great player. It's like that. That doesn't work that way. Your your salary does not. You pay a guy more, it doesn't make him better. It just means you paid him more. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then it, he got here, and he just wasn't. He's never really been very good. They changed his swing the in the very first spring. John Malley couldn't wait to get his hands on him, and he's never been right. Um, but the Braves would tell you that they traded him because with a year to go in free agency because they didn't want to keep him. They just didn't think exactly. he was as good a player. He was going to command a much bigger salary than he was worth. Um, so they traded him instead. But, you know, just because a guy's, you know, bad doesn't mean that you you know you hate him. I I do think he he showed up at the perfect season. <laughs> given that mm-hmm. everything else was going right. So even though people are like, what the fuck is wrong with Hayward? It wasn't because we're winning at an incredible clip and it was easy to just like go, well, he'll figure it out eventually. We could just, you didn't yeah. have to, you didn't worry about it. Um, and then, and then the mythical locker room speech, weight room speech, um, which is what he'll be remembered for forever, whether it had anything to do with it or not. <laughs> and then it's just been a lot of, Medial, it's been a whole production, a whole best. lot of lip service too of just how great of a teammate he is, and you know that's really worth keeping around. How, 
like Jed said earlier today, is how he's being a mentor. Um, you know. But who's he mentoring? <laughs> they don't have. I mean, is he is he mentoring Raphael Ortega? Are they basically the same age? Frank Schwindel <laughs> and Patrick Wisdom. I mean, this is the oldest bunch of you know. I was going to say, the, the clip they always show of Rafael Ortega sometimes at games where he made his big league debut with the Braves, wasn't like Jason Hayward on that same team, too? <laughs> Maybe he mentored him so that they'd show up as teammates all the way, you know, 10 years later. Yeah, the outfield was... Bad uh, pub team. Jason Hayward, Rafael Ortega, and Hank Aaron. That was the outfield for the Braves, that day. That's how far back he go. <sighs> yeah. You know, then there's... Uh, oh, go ahead. I, no, I'm sorry. I, I It was just more things that I took in from, uh, you know, the afternoon, or not afternoon, the midday show on ESPN that just wanted to get a little, you know, good enough background in because, like, I have been tied up with a lot of things lately that have kind of taken me away from having my full focus on the team. Well, yeah, you've been, uh, you've been missing a lot, let me tell you. Yeah, uh, not exactly. Uh, apparently, uh, Seiya Suzuki is, uh, not exactly close. Uh, according to what Cap said earlier today, he's having trouble gripping his bat. <laughs> is that so a that's problem? that's always a great sign. Is that a problem? Not... Do, you, do you need to hold the bat tightly when you swing? Maybe not. <laughs> um, God. Isn't it, it's just the most cub thing ever. You know, he jams his finger sliding, in, sliding back into a bag. And then they're like, oh, yeah. it's not a big deal. We're not going to x-ray it. It's gonna be fine. And then a few days <laughs> yeah, later, it's you fine. know, maybe uh, we might yeah. we might X-ray it. Uh, but we don't here, need to go s- on the injury list. And they play five me- games without him. And then, oh okay, yes, well, just precautionary. He's only gonna miss the minimum amount of games. Let's put him on injured list. And let, now, let me see your hand real quick. It looks really similar to Coy Hill's hand. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, well, that's what they should do, right? They should get, take him into the doctor, have him put the bat in his hands, and then just sew <laughs> like that finger around the bat. That'd be fine. <laughs> there, can you grip it now, Saya? He's like, what yeah. the? Maybe some acupuncture. I don't know. Try something. <laughs> it's funny. It's it's very easy to forget he's on the team. It's yeah. Like, what are they going to do about right field? Oh, they have a right fielder. That's right. They actually have a right fielder. He just can't play right now because his finger is going in the wrong direction. That's not good. Yeah. <sighs> It's like when you get these uh, breathless updates from Cub fans about, oh, you know, guys are coming back. David Bodie's almost ready. Uh, I can't wait for that. Uh, Marcus Stroman uh, mm-hmm. got into mm-hmm. the towel drill. And <laughs> Drew Smiley's throwing underhand. Yep. And uh, Wade Miley uh, is wearing a life jacket in the uh, in the Whirlpool. It's Everything's yep. going great. They'll all be back soon. <laughs> Yeah, we're really in a hurry to get all these guys that were not good back. Like, <laughs> the Strowman thing, I we I mean this is already heading down a um one of those five years from now, you're like, did Marcus did Marcus Strowman pitch for the Cubs? He did? I forgot that. <laughs> when? Oh yeah, they were awful. Was he hurt all the whole time? Yeah. And then he then he signed with the Giants and he won twenty eight games? That's right. That's what happened. Yep, yep. Yeah. Talking about signing with the Giants in spring training. Yes, he's like, already like right when all he right. signed with the Cubs. Like, my deal yeah. with these, my deal with these assholes is only two years. It'll I probably just, be shorter that than wanted that. To, I would just want they offered me a contract right before the lockout, and I'm like, I'm taking it. I don't care who offers it to me. I'm taking it. And then I got here and went, ooh, place different here. 
Uh, yeah, and then you know the Wade Miley thing was. Here's the here's the problem. Like they're going to learn the wrong lesson about the Wade Miley thing. Cause that was exactly the kind of thing they should do. The Reds put him on waivers because they didn't want to pay. <laughs> didn't want to pay his million dollar. Um, um, what do you call it? His buyout. They owed him ten million dollars. Sir didn't want to pay him that. Put him on waivers, hoping some team would claim him, which would get him out of the million bucks. The Cubs claim him, and it's like, all right, this is perfect. All it cost you was money, and mm-hmm. you're going to get to the trade deadline, and you're going to flip him for a prospect. Yeah. Ideal world, he becomes like Scott Feldman 2.0. Yeah. Yeah. Or Paul Mahalem, or um, oh, Jason Hamill, who then turned into Jason Hamill. Um, right. <laughs> And then it does. It's it's not working out because he can't pitch. Every time he throws, his shoulder falls off, and that's a issue. And I get to see the cousin. We're not doing that again. No, no, that's exactly the kind of thing you're supposed to do. Because even if it doesn't work out, all it cost you was ten million dollars. And I got. I hate to break it to you guys, for a major league baseball team, it's nothing. You don't get to act like it's a tremendous amount of money when you're charging people, you know, seventy five bucks mm-hmm. to sit in the bleachers to watch the Cubs and the Pirates play grab ass. You just you don't get to do that. Um, but I just fear that they'll be like, okay, we'll try that. That didn't work. Let's not try that anymore. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, even if he gets Smiley back, I don't know what you get for him, but it's 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 shaping up to be um, a, a very unproductive trade deadline for them. Going into the season, it's like, okay, look at this. We got all these. We got a fair amount of inventory. You know, I, my biggest fear is that David Robertson is going to get hurt or just be bad again far enough in advance of the deadline uh, that they can't move him. And the only guy they're going to trade is the guy they shouldn't trade is Wilson. Right. I mean, I guess we talk about that. And I, I keep making the case because I'm, I'm sure Jed subscribes to the newsletter under a um, pseudonym. I don't know. I don't know which one he is, but I'm sure he it, reads it every day. It, I, I think it's just like the, the Twitter handle that like just has the one tweet just, that says spanking it. Just yeah, Jed Hoyer underscore. Spanking it at Gmail. <laughs> I think it's, it's I, there is a guy that has that, so it's probably Jed. The I think they've already they've already made their bed with Wilson. Like if you're Wilson, if they came to you tomorrow, tonight, with a with a contract extension, are you gonna sign that? No, I'm gonna be like, not. No, I'm 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 basically made it to free agency now. Thank you very much. I'm mm-hmm. going to see what – I'm going to let people bid for me. So, no, I don't want your money. But This is going to be, like, the best time for Wilson to hit free agency, too, because, like, with a DH coming in the National League, like, he's not the greatest at framing pitches but does pretty much everything else behind the plate well. And, like, you know, if you need him to be a DH for a team going forward, there's now 15 more options for that. And – you know, if there's robo-ums too, that might not matter as much when it comes to the framing. So, you know, I, like Contreras would not be wise to accept an offer from the Cubs when he could be like one of the top hitters on the market this yeah. upcoming winter. And, I mean, he looks around and he looks at the shit that they've, that's surrounding him now in the club. I mean, he walked into the clubhouse and walked into the greatest Cub team in a hundred years and was like, look mm-hmm. at this. There's a, everywhere I look, there's a great player. And six years later, he looks around. And he's like, everywhere I look, everybody else sucks. Why would I want to stay? <laughs> um, amazing. I could change in six short years. It's, it, it really is amazing. Cause I remember like it was yesterday. I was there 
with my girlfriend at the time for when he hit that first pitch of his major league career for a home run against the Pirates. Um, I hope you don't mind if I dive into a little nostalgia with this, but <laughs> like one thing that was kind of personal to me with that was we were sitting like right by the where the Cubs bullpen was at the time. Sky Point the bullpen's on the field. <laughs> and um, after the home run, he didn't stay in the game, but he came back over to the Cubs bullpen to catch. And like the section, like to like to each side of me, basically kind of realized it and like all gave him a standing That's ovation. Cool. And like, that was one of the coolest moments I've like from that season that I'll remember. That's cool. Very cool. Now they'd have to, you know, halt the game and send him out and somebody open the Sloan door and let him through. <laughs> it's just not the same. Yeah, they'll send him down a pipe that Sloan has probably built in. <laughs> yeah, the... <laughs> like in Futurama. <laughs> yeah, or like a Shawshank. All right, now, Wilson, it's the sewer pipe. But as long as nobody flushes between now and then, it's only going to be ankle deep. It'll be fine. Go get him. Um, yeah, but it just the... So the Cubs are, they've, they've already made their bed. They've opened another hole. You know, supposedly they're rebuilding. Uh, but they're still in the excavation phase, apparently, because mm-hmm. now they won't have a catcher. I mean, uh, we're all supposed to get all gooey about Jan Gomes. But when I look at Jan Gomes, I see a guy who does it, um, has, a, has a rep as being a very good defensive catcher. And it's just kind of been meh. This year, early in the year, he couldn't catch the ball. <laughs> no, the balls were just bouncing off of him. Like, I was gonna say early. early yeah, in did the you, year, have he... you broken the mid in yet? Did maybe try that? Early in the year, he was the guy they were using at DH a lot of games. Which, like, what purpose does oh. that serve? Because he's not a good hitter at all. Can you tell David Ross is a former catcher? Nobody loves to DH um, catchers better than him. We had Victor <laughs> Caratini during the. Victor was slugging like. 214. They're sending him out as the <laughs> DH every day. It's like, what? Are, what are we? What are you doing? Um, oh, that reminds me. You were talking about uh, Ross benching Javi. The first guy that he benched. Uh, remember when he benched Schwarber? For there was a yes, ball into the in corner, and he didn't think Schwarber busted it after That's the right. ball fast enough. And if I'm Schwarber, I'm like, look, look, Dave. Nobody botches more balls in left field than me. I know the ones I need to run after, the ones I can jog after. I mean, it's fine. I knew was, he, he wasn't getting to third base. It was fine. Right. Um, and they do, But they don't have a prospect. I mean, I guess they have... Um, there's some guy now at Class A who is now 30th on their prospect list, and he's a catcher, and he's only like six years away from the big leagues. It's <laughs> like, all right, so then you're going to have to go find a catcher, and you're not going to want to pay for one. So now we're going to be back to the days of having, you know, um, you know, a, a Damian Miller as our catcher again. It's just, mm-hmm. I just, I don't. I guess the biggest thing is we just we can't really trust them. It's very can. apparent that they, uh, you know, the idea that okay, you guys want to win, so we know that you're going to figure out where you need to spend the money. It's like, do we really know how bad they want to win? Because it sure as hell doesn't look like it right now. Oh, of course, there's P.J. Higgins, though. I'm sure that guy, that's a guy who yes. might give 120 starts behind the plate, too. I'm sure that'll work out great. Yeah, I'm sure the guy who made his major league debut at, like, 27. I mean, fits right in with the rest of the team. Yeah, they all do. Schwindel and, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's like the Cubs only, um, like, 
the only they scouted like the draft class of uh, 2013, and those are the only names they have in their book. And they flip through like, ooh, Frank Schwindel is available. <laughs> Patrick Wisdom. It's like, oh, can we get somebody alone? You're supposed to be billing for the future, right? Is Cole Stewart still in the organization? I remember that being a name. Yeah, like, yeah, well, they had right they after had all Chris Cole, Bryant. They had they had Cole <laughs> Stewart. They had they still have Cole Franklin. If you were K O H L, the Cubs were all over you. It, yeah. You know what? They turn that into a sponsorship with Cole's. Though. Oh, I'm sure you that was part all of over the money. Yeah, <laughs> sure that's part of it. They need a shoulder patch for next year, and that are uh, I guess. And I just, we look, we got all the coals. We need one more. We need you. We'll stitch it on there. Give us a million dollars. We'll take it. Um, so th- there's been some scuttlebutt about, all right, if you're going to be trading guys at the deadline, um, are you going to trade Ian Happ? So where, where would you stand on the, should they or should they not trade Ian Happ at the trade deadline? Uh, Ian Happ is like such probably the most polarizing cub on the roster for me right now because like after like so after the 2020 off season going to 21 that that feels to me like the most botched off season they've had ever because they traded you Darvish but that was like the one opportunity you would have had to have traded Jason Hayward to have traded Ian Happ because they both came off really good seasons and you know like last year with Happ he, it felt like he was just non-existent until everyone was traded and everything was, you know, meaningless at that point. Now he's looking pretty good and, you know, this team is going nowhere. And I, I, it's, he's like the guy, he's like the one guy I wish they could give a one-year deal to because, like, it's, it's such a mixed bag with him. Like, there was... 2018 or 2019, I remember reading on uh, Fangraphs that he had, like, the biggest uh, swing and miss on pitches in the strike zone. And, like, it's just, I don't know, man. He needed, like, so much work. And, like, he missed a lot of 2019, I remember, too. He was down in Iowa. And, like, they needed a leadoff hitter that entire year. And who knows, like, if he had been... If he had been the hitter that he was in the second half of 2021 back then, you know, who knows who's still here? Possibly Joe Madden's still here. Possibly, you know. (laughs) Joe got like, like, because A, they didn't want to pay him anymore, and B, they, um, Jed and Theo wanted to run the team. They wanted to run the team during games. They wanted to just get a manager who would say, they would hand this little, here's our game plan, go get it. Joe was like, hey, this is great. Look at that! That's a, what font is that? Is that Helvetica? I like Helvetica. Let me tell, <laughs> let me t- let me give you 15 minutes on the history of the font and how and how it was invented in Pennsylvania, and then all right, fuck that! I'm going to do whatever I want anyway. It's funny because yeah, Joe always... Joe has somehow gone from in the in the eyes of people in baseball from when he was with the Rays, you know, the hipster with the with the big glasses who was constantly like you know uh, listening to the stat geeks and doing that too by the time he left the cubs and especially with the angels this guy who uh was mr seat of the pants i'm not going to look at any numbers anymore and i don't think the truth was ever on either end of that 
I think he was always a guy who was open to the numbers, but he'd also been in baseball forever. And he's like, look, I think I can figure some of this shit out on my own. I don't really need to look at your spreadsheet between every pitch. Uh, I think that was a big part of it. The problem I have with Hap is for a guy who has all these tools, you know, he's a switch hitter, he's got decent speed. Um, mm-hmm. I Apparently, he's grading out very well in left field. I still, every time there's a ball hit that he has to move more than three steps, I just assume he's not going to catch it. Um, he's not really good at anything. He's just pretty good at a lot of stuff, which is has some value. Um, but I gave up on him uh, the first half of last season when you know they were still trying to win something. He was he wasn't just bad; he was useless. He was yes. hitting, he was hitting like one seventy at the trade deadline, and there was a lot of talk they were just going to DFA him. And then he went on a you know you were talking about signing to a one year contract. Is it is it allowable to give a, to pay a guy month to month? <laughs> All right, and we're going to decide like whether, re, whether to renew you for next month on the 29th of every month. So just let us know how, if uh, we'll let you know if you're going to stay or if you're going to go. Um, yeah, and I, I guess I look at him now as like he's the he's the avatar of the failures <laughs> of the post World Series team, and I'm like just make, let him make him go away, just. Put him somewhere else. I don't want to. I'm tired of watching Jason Hayward. I'm tired of watching Ian Happ. And I'm sure you could trade Happ for something, which you know, you. Oh yeah, you you would get a decent haul for him because I mean, like you said, versatile player. It's a first round pick. You know, plays multiple positions. Has some power. Switch hitter. Like, you know, there is value there, and yeah. you kind of just hope that some team buys into that. And well, yeah, you just, you just you need one team to think that he's as good as uh, like the director morale thinks he is. And then you'd be in great shape. But I think most teams look at him like, Oh yeah, that's a pretty useful extra guy. I love the guys who are like, look at his war. He ought to, uh, he should be starting in a uh, all-star game. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> look, I get what it says. I've seen him play. He should not, he should not be able, he can go to the all-star game and he can give him a, you know, maybe he can give him 10, 10% off a ticket and he could go and that would be fine. But I don't. I mean, think see, of it like I don't want to see him running around in the outfield on my All Star game. Think of it like this: if he were on, if he were experienced enough in the minors to have been called up in 2016, and also you had a healthy Kyle Schwarber for the full year, like he probably would not have been a full time starter. He would have still been like a fourth, fifth outfielder at that point. Yeah, I mean he. He wasn't ready, so we got uh, a second go-around of Chris Coughlin. <laughs> Maybe that's why I don't like him half. I don't know. <laughs> uh, the other guy that I don't like, and I get, I, you know I get some grief for this, uh, I don't like Frank Schwindel. Um, and it's nothing, it's, I, it's not, I'm nothing against Frank as a rubber-faced human. Um, I really don't like... This is not fair to me, to Frank. I will, I will acknowledge this right away. I'm not being fair to Frank. But um, he is he's everything that's wrong with their supposed rebuild. Exactly. He's and just window blasted. Everybody knew. Everybody yeah. knew. And if he didn't, you're a moron. He shouldn't be in baseball. That the numbers he put up the last two months of last season were, they were, it was, they were basically imaginary. I mean, I know they, they exist, but that you were not going to get anything close to that out of him. And if you were a serious baseball team, you would have said, first base is a place we need to upgrade. And the Cubs are like, nope, that's good enough. 
we'll just we'll just run Frank back there again with with nobody, you know, no second, um, no backup plan. And I get right. the feeling I mean, that we're like we're going to know that the I was I wrote about this like when the Cubs traded when the Cubs signed John Lester in the offseason before 2015. That was the sign. I mean, they had, they had just signed they had just hired Joe Madden a few months before, two month before, and they signed John Lester, and that was Theo signed us. The rebuild was over. It's time to start winning. I feel like with this Cub team, it will be when they finally get rid of Frank Schwindel. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Frank, you got to go. We're good. We're we're playing real guys now. Yeah, the the charade is over. Like you know, I well <laughs> now that you bring this up, like. Did you feel this way a little bit about one of your fan favorites in Luis Valbuena when no. he got moved? No, Luis, <laughs> Luis was a superstar. Skypoint, Louis, you're gone too soon. I could, I still don't think that was the right move. Yeah, sure, Dexter turned out okay, and the kid <laughs> that they called up to play third base turned out all right. But I don't yeah, know. That, right. I don't know that Valbuena couldn't outplayed both Dexter and Chris Bryant. Nobody knows that. Nobody could told. Nobody proved to me he would have been better <laughs> than them in 2015 and 2016. <laughs> And think about this. If he's on that team, he probably doesn't have to play winter ball. He's still alive. The Cubs killed Louis Valbuena. I'm never going to forgive him for that. See, this is how this is how we frame the Ricketts. This is how we get them. This is how we get a new Remember when they killed the guy? How did they kill him? Okay, let me tell you how they killed him. They traded him to a team. He played for that team for a little while. Then he left that team. He went to another team. He played for that team for a couple of years. And then in winter ball one year, uh, some some thugs who put rocks in the road to slow down cars and then rob them. Uh, did that to him, and they killed him. And it's all Tom Ricketts' fault. I think that'll hold up in court if I Perfect. try to get it prosecuted. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, yeah, well, I, I mean, I'm not, I don't, I'm not comfortable with comparing uh, Frank Schwindel to Luis Valbuena. Um, I might compare uh, Patrick Wisdom to Luis Valbuena. That's, this, yeah. is, this is also me not being fair to Frank. It's the same thing power. with it's the same thing with with P Wiz, but I like him. <laughs> oh yeah! Like I'm ready if they trade if they got rid of him tomorrow, I wouldn't shed a tear. But um, I'm like, all right, now that's the kind of guy you want on a bad team. You want the guy who's who hits who hits 500 foot home runs and swings from his ass and plays good defense and it looks like he actually has some actual baseball skill. You know, yeah. if I watch Frank. Um, it's not just that he can't catch, and he can't, which is ironic because he was a no. pitcher. But, I mean, you've there are 16-inch softball first basemen who have better f- footwork around the bag than Frank. And there was – I forget what highlight it was. It was a, a Nico play. It was a really nice play. And uh, they showed it over and over and over again. And in a, you could see Frank start his stretch for the throw way too early. And then barely be able to adjust to where the ball was because he's already on his front foot with his glove straight up in the air. It's like Frank. <laughs> I mean, come on. What what do you do in spring training? Do they ever just do they ever throw you the ball? Exactly. This is the stuff, type of stuff you should be prepared for. And like honestly, you know, we we don't have to go down the road of like you know who they should have kept from the World Series core and everything. But that's. A pretty huge thing they miss from not having Anthony Rizzo is that just he would catch yeah. everything at first base. And, you know, he was tall, a, a throw that would go over most first baseman's head, he would catch. Yeah, we I mean, saw it in the World Series. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's jarring because we just got so used to it, except for when his back would flare up. Um, 
you didn't worry about anything around the bag or for, and on bunts. No. I mean, he would play in, I was, I was watching the Yankees the other night and the Yankee announcers are like, he's standing 20 feet from home plate. I'm like, yeah, that's what he does. He's been on your mm. team for almost a year now. You've never seen this before. Um, yeah, I mean, they miss all that stuff. The, I mean, we can talk about it. The whole idea that, um, they should have kept, I mean, I was, I, I thought it was ridiculous that they couldn't get any of those guys signed. And the one I would have kept out, uh, I would have preferred to have kept Chris Bryant. Of course, he spent the whole time on the injured list this year, and that would have looked great. But right. who knows? Maybe it was a high. It could have been a high altitude back injury. <laughs> Might not have happened <laughs> had the Cubs played him at sea level instead. Um. So I, and, uh, there was this ridiculous clip I saw today of two of my favorite people, Chris Mad Dog Russo <laughs> and Jesse Rogers, uh. discussing the the rebuild. And Russo is making the outsider point. He's like, look, I know Cup fans are mad, but 2015, you know, they win the wild card, win 97 games of the wild card. They beat the Cardinals in the playoffs. They lose to the Mets in the NLCS. 2016, they win the World Series. 2017, they go back to the, they win the division again. They go back to the playoffs. They beat the Nationals. They lose to the Dodgers. 2018, although he got it wrong, he thought they lost the wild card game to the Brewers. As we know, they lost game 163 to the Brewers. And then the next day, they lost mm-hmm. the wild card game to the fucking Rockies. Yes. Um, he's like, 2019. He blamed it all on Craig Kimbrell, which seemed a little, uh, some of it was deserved, but not all of it. Uh, and then 2020, go back to the playoffs and lose to the Marlins. He's like, you know, that's uh, five out of six years to the playoffs and six years where they were pretty good. And what the, why are Cub fans so mad? And um, Jesse's like, I don't know. Um, I don't like it when people let him off the hook with the idea that, look, if they'd have kept those guys, none of those guys are playing very well. Rizzo has the best stats, but most of his slugging comes in Yankee Stadium, and none of those balls would be home runs at Wrigley. It's like, that's all well and good. You you can give Jed credit if if he somehow foresaw that none of these guys were going to be worth a damn. What you don't forgive him for is that they just took all that money and they just put it in their pocket. Yes, Like They didn't have to give us... You can let Chris Bryant and Javier Baez and Anthony Rizzo go. But then don't act like giving us, um, you know, in there to fill their spots. Um, Patrick, Jonathan Villar. Yeah, Frank Schwindel and uh, Nick Madrigal, basically, because they just moved, they moved, um, they just moved Nico from second to short. It's like, you, there, it was not one or the other. And that's where, you know, that's really why Cub fans are mad. And then you get the right. media, then you get some of the media people going, well, you want them to keep all those guys, and those guys all suck. It's like, no, I want them to have good players. And they clearly don't have very many on this team. No, they didn't. And, and this was coming into an offseason, too, where there was a lot of talent to be had out there, talent that was pretty comparable to what you just let go at the deadline. And all you came away with was Marcus Stroman, Seiya Suzuki, and a couple fill-in pieces. I guess... Yeah, David Robertson has been a really good closer, too. Yeah, but, but I mean, they paid him. Yeah. I mean, he was a... This time last year, he was pitching in the Olympics. Nobody <laughs> wanted true. him. The Rays signed That's right. him he for like... That's right, he just come off of uh, Tommy John. Yeah, the right? Rays signed him for like the last month of the season, and he pitched in the playoffs for him. But he had no market. I mean, everybody's kind of looking at him like, oh, well, let, some, let the team like the Cubs sign him. We'll see if his arm's any good, and if it is, we'll trade for him. So that was that. I mean, that's why they signed Michael Givens and Daniel Norris. This was all with an idea that they don't want all true. rookies in the bullpen, and then they would hopefully one or two of them would actually be good. 
and then they could get something for him. You don't get much for a middle reliever, but you might get something. Um, but the thing I'll never understand, it really started the year after the World Series, you know, well, the, like with the offseason before 2018, where the market for free agents really dried up. And you had a glut of, like, useful free agents that couldn't get, couldn't command the money that they thought they were going to get. Mm-hmm. And it was a perfect opportunity for a team to build really good depth on relatively the cheap. Because guys who in the past would have been starters on, you know, mediocre teams, you could get to be your first guy off the bench or to fill in a, a one hole you might have. And the Cubs, for the most part, sat it out. We got Daniel Descalso. Right. It, it feels That's weird. That we they got. Just, and they're still doing it. They, they, it's weird that, like, they took that position considering that in 2015 they created, like, freaking amazing bullpen out of a bunch of failed starters and like Travis Wood and Clayton Richard and Trevor Cahill. And it's like, why wouldn't you think to maybe try to do that with your offense and, you know, get some undervalued guys that were starters on other teams that could maybe be useful for you off the bench. So uh, you bring up a good point. I think, I think what their, their theory was. So they felt it was fine to sign those guys in fifteen. Because they had only gotten here in the offseason between 11 and 12. And all of their uh, draft picks, none of those guys were ready yet. But, oh, man, wait till this, wait till our wave of pitching shows up. This is going to be great. <laughs> and so I think they go into those seasons after that like, no, 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 we don't, we're not going to lock up bullpen spots on these guys. You know, we're going we're gonna to be able to have our own homegrown minimum salary guys in that bullpen. And then none of them were any good. And then they couldn't do it. And then they ended up having to make trades – you know, like um, I think it's I think he says George, not Jorge, but Paredes is he hit three home three homers yesterday and he hit a homer today. He's a guy the Cubs had to trade to get Justin Wilson because they need they were in such dire straits and they they got and they thought the Justin Wilson thing was a coup. They're like, oh, this guy's really good and we're gonna have him for this year and then he's gonna become our closer next year. This is gonna be great and he was bad from the minute they got him and. Um, they had to make too many moves like that for guys because they couldn't backfill with their own pitchers. They couldn't do it. The exactly. whole their whole theory on how they built the team was we're gonna we're gonna spend on pitching and then we're gonna bring up all our young our young draft picks, they're gonna get in the lineup, and then as the draft picks start to get into arbitration time, we're gonna be able to extend them because we're not gonna be paying for pitching. Because our young now we're going to have young pitchers and veteran players, and we're just going to we're going to, and then none of those pitchers ever showed up, and so like they traded for Cole Hamels, and then they had to pick up Cole Hamels' option because they didn't have enough pitching for the next year. Yeah, and they just and had, then to, had to cut had to cut Drew Smiley because to afford right. him for the yeah. next year. Like that was the day. Then. That was the day. The um, <laughs> if there was any thought that the Cubs were going to turn into a dynasty, that was the day it ended. The day they're mm-hmm. like, okay, uh, Drew Smiley has a seven million dollar option. And if we're going to keep Cole Hamels, we can't afford to keep Drew Smiley. It's like, no, you, of course you can afford it. You don't want to afford it. You've chosen not to spend it. It's not that you can't. You won't. There's a big difference. And the team that you know won games because even you know the 16 team was incredibly deep. 
And then all of a sudden they got less deep and less deep, and he ran into injuries, and he didn't have guys that could, um, you, you know, you weren't bringing quality players in to back up these guys. I mean, all of a sudden you look up and Mike Freeman's playing shortstop for you in a mm-hmm. pennant race. After you had all these shortstops in the organization. Well, you do all these shortstops. About too many shortstops, and then you wind up with Mike Freeman because Javier Baez is hurt, and Addison Russell can't stay out of trouble, and, you know. <laughs> you know, it's like the it's like the prospect perverts who they look at those they look at these lists of guys and they think they're all going to be good, and they're like, "Oh my God, what are the Cubs going to do when Pete Crow Armstrong shows up and Christian Hernandez shows up and when you know they're just ticking names off, Kevin mm-hmm. Contra and blah 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 blah." And it's like, look, we guys, maybe they're all fourteen. Maybe that's the thing I don't get. They're, they don't. They haven't been around, and they don't understand. It's like, look, it's good to have a, a big number of prospects in your system because most of them won't turn into anything. And one of the problems the Cubs have had forever is they'd have like three prospects, and the odds of the three prospects turning into something are very bad. Now, if you have ten, you have a much better chance that a couple of those guys are actually going to be good. But this whole idea that you're just going to look at all these guys that they've drafted and traded for, and holy shit. I mean, look at Myrtle Beach. They score nine runs a game. It's like, all right, that's, you know, they're, those guys are four levels from the big leagues. There's a big yeah. difference. There's a huge weeding out process that will happen between now and then. Um, and you're going to have more things to worry about than what I think might be. Uh, maybe the second thing they're really going to have to figure out is if Pete Crow Armstrong is going to play in the big leagues, He's going to have to figure out what the hell to do with his name on the back of the jersey because we can't have this circle of Crow Dash Armstrong. I don't know if you've seen, I don't know which, he's at South Bend now, I guess. They have it like stacked. Ooh, I kind of like that. That does not look good. It does not, it doesn't look good. I, okay, maybe I have I mean, the solution, right, is to, uh, I've got a couple suggestions for the Cubs. Okay, one, have you seen the jersey? Where the the uh, Seiya Suzuki jersey they sell, where Suzuki is written in Japanese characters. Yes, he should wear that in games. That should be the Cubs should just oh, start absolutely. that. That should be his jersey. He should wear Suzuki written in you know whatever that is, whatever language Japanese I guess. The other one is for Pico Armstrong. Just put PCA on the back. Let him go with his initials. Let him be the new trendsetter because his name's too fucking long. He's not big enough. Maybe if he were, if he was Dan Vogelbach, then absolutely he could. You could have he could have his first exactly. and middle name on it with room to spare. But he's not. The, the shoulders stretch out the letters a little yeah. bit more. That, you're going to have to get him on the roids so that he grow so that he gets big enough that he can fit his name on his back of his jersey. <laughs> So that's the kind of thing the Cubs need to be worried about right now. Is how when Pete Crow Armstrong comes up to be a 14-time All Star, uh, how are we going to how are we going to fit his name on the back of the jersey? Mm-hmm. I remember they had a thing with uh, Mark DeRosa where I think it was like on the on the home on the pinstripes for one year. It hit the the D and De, you know, D E and DeRosa was they were both caps, but on the blues the E was little. Really, and it like wasn't consistent, and then they finally, I think they gave him the little uh, Del Rosa, D E R O S A, yeah, the E was, and then they went to the little E. But I remember for a while, it's like it doesn't, ma- you know, his uniforms don't match. <laughs> uh, not to be confused with the time Junior Lake wore the wrong 
Uh, yes, I remember that early in 2014 when they had those awful, um, those like the, those the Cubs in black letter grays that they had that looked right. like they like went down or to the, like Sport Mart and and had or it, like, like a, the Wrigley 100th anniversary thing, yeah. And this had a made for like a softball team. Yeah, those looks good. Let's wear that. And um, he, I think, I think he was wearing the regular road gray, and everybody else had the other ones on. And I'm like, I'm a junior. I wouldn't. I wouldn't wear the other ones either. <laughs> I, I want to say I was at a game in like 2018 up in Milwaukee at Miller Park. Well, American Family Field now, but whatever. So it's always going to be Miller Park. Uh, and I want to say. It might have been uh, future Cub Jeremy Jeffress. I think he was wearing, like, they were wearing, like, the navy blue tops. Oh, yeah. And it, it was, the rest of the team said Brewers on it, but his said Milwaukee. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, you know, so uh, former Cub, Jason Adam, took a bunch of crap, deservedly, uh, when he wouldn't wear the pride, he wouldn't wear the pride oh, patch on his jersey. And um, it got me to thinking, though, like, if I were playing for the Cubs, I wouldn't wear those fucking City Connects. I hate them. I, just, I don't like the blue pants and the blue jeans. I think it just looks dumb. It looks like a softball team. So I would come out in the pinstripes when everybody else was wearing the Wrigleyville all blues and just be like, nope, this is my <laughs> uniform. This is what I'm wearing today. I don't care. It reminds me of uh, the last year, so well, last year, I guess, um, when they mic'd up. Um, maybe it was the pandemic year before the, it was right. It was the pandemic year before the pandemic when ESPN mic'd up Bryant and Rizzo for the spring training game. Yes. And, uh, the ESPN guys asked, they noticed that Bryant was wearing his regular cub hat, even though all the other guys had their spring training hats on. And they're like, Hey, did you wear the wrong hat? He's like, no, I hate those things. I won't wear them. Cause they do where they were stupid. Um, More power to you for that, KB. <laughs> the, uh, I don't know if you've seen the 4th of July hats that all the teams are going to wear. Oh, yeah. They are terrible. I guarantee you if I was a big league player, I would not wear that. I would just wear my regular hat and be like, I don't find me. I don't care. I'm not going to look like uh, – they look. It's like a star, It's like a starter jacket turned into a hat. Like, oh, no. Right. I'm not wearing do, that. Do they really have to design everything to look like graffiti now? Like, would it not just – be you know can't just make it the basic same design with just red white and blue. The thing is, it's clearly there's assholes who buy that stuff, and they're like, "Oh, this will sell." Some dummy's gonna buy it. Yeah. And then a year later, it winds up being a hat you wear maybe when you mow the lawn or something like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's raining shit outside. Oh, I have just the hat. <laughs> Thank God for the Cubs on the Fourth of July. Woo, it's going to look great. Well, um, trying to think. We didn't really talk. I I think we've pretty much. Is there anything we didn't talk about? Um, Yeah, I can't really. I mean, I could could go on a rant about Marquis, but it's kind of lost on you. Now, this is ironic, right? Because um, uh, Dave Brown only gets... um, he, he lives in Kansas City. He doesn't get marquee, he can, he, but he can watch marquee on like MLB.tv. He can watch the game coverage. Mm-hmm. Donahue also does not get marquee, so he can't watch. Um, so it's pretty much just Pusateri is the only one I can bitch about um, marquee. With. Or I have to have John Greenberg on so we can make fun of marquee. I can't make fun of marquee because uh, you don't get to see it. But just take my word for it. I, I think I'm actually um, 
Well, I'll tell you this. I'll, I, I can tell you this happened. Um, the year that Marquee launched, which was the pandemic. Right. Um, they were slow to roll out. Like, I had DirecTV at the time, and they were ready on day one on DirecTV. So I got to watch from them. But Comcast had not picked them up yet. Comcast mm-hmm. said, like, right before the opener. And I had been making fun of Marquee, and all of a sudden, a bunch of readers got to see it. And I got a bunch of I got a bunch of emails and messages that were like, "Look, I I thought you were just doing a bit about just how terrible they are. But I actually think you were being too nice to them." <laughs> <laughs> it didn't help that like when they launched, it was in the middle of like everyone having to record it from Zoom and everything. Yeah, no. I, did, I, I mean, I did have cable at the time that it launched, so I did get to see a decent amount of their programming. It just it's not. Uh... And I, the sad part is, I was really excited for it when it happened, too. Because, like, I, like, I know everyone makes fun of Ricketts from the convention with him saying, why are you booing the Marquee Network? I, I, I kind of found myself a little too young to be caught up in, like, the WGN nostalgia. Like, my first real year of following the Cubs was, like, 2005. And that felt like the first year where it really starts to be, like, a split between... Comcast, Sportsnet, and WGN at the time. Yeah. And, like, I kind of preferred, like, the sports network style of Comcast. But, I mean, I know there's a lot more, you know, there's a lot more Cub fans that lean toward WGN, too. And we were hoping that it would be something that would, you know, look a little more like that. There's there's no reason it should be this bad. It shouldn't be bad at all, even when the team's bad. I mean, you... They, the the most alarming thing about them at, when the pandemic hit was just how little content they had prepared for their launch. Mm-hmm. And I've said it before. It's like it was a surprise to them. Like one day they were like, do you know we start on Friday? This Friday? Oh, shit. We should have filmed some stuff. Because I just assumed they were going to have like, you know, they've talked about what's going to be a great place for documentaries. And we're going to play old games. And we're going to come up with, uh, we'll have interview shows, we'll have all kinds of stuff. And I get it then that when the pandemic hit, it screwed up like they were doing their little Cubs 360 show and everybody had to be on Zoom. And there weren't any, you know, and there, there weren't any games. And that took up, that's like eight hours of their day because they show the game and then they replay it with the pre and post on either end of it. That's more like 10 hours probably. And that was, that program was gone. They didn't have anything for a while, and that's completely understandable, but it's not understandable that they didn't have anything else. And then they were so bad at picking, like they, Crane, of course Crane's full of shit, so that's probably the reason. Crane was like, we have access to the entire old WGN library of games, and we've got almost all the games from Comcast Sportsnet and Fox Sports Chicago. I mean, if you could think of a Cub game, we've got access to it. And so here during the pandemic... They're playing old games, and they're playing, like, the same five over and over and over again. And mm-hmm. they're, they're nonsensical. Like, the one game they love to show, they still show it, is Harry's last game, last home game. Right. Yes. It's the terrible. One game where, Harry's, like, yeah. it's a bad game. The Cubs were terrible. And Harry, it's not prime here. It's like, why don't you, how about the opposite? Why don't you show Harry's first game? That would be cool. Yes. Why don't we see that? Or why don't you just find cool games from like 84 and 89 and play those in their entirety? Because the only time we ever saw them was we, we saw the <laughs> WJN used to play. In 89, the Cubs had this ridiculous comeback against the Astros where they were down, I think, 9-1, to one, and they came back and won 10-9. Dwight Smith had the game-winning hit, I'm pretty sure. 
we actually I don't remember who had the game winning hit because when there was a rain delay, they would after they you know Harry and Steve would yuck it up for a while and then they'd throw it to that game, and then the rain delay would never last long enough to get to the end of it. But and if, sometimes the Cubs were so bad, you're like, could you just keep playing this? Do we have to watch the current? Cup? Can we just finish watching the rain delay game? <laughs> but it's like I know there are cool games that you can show again, show those, and they they just they were. One thing that's very clear is that they were so hell-bent on making this a national field of their broadcast, which Cup fans don't want. No. Like, it's always been a local field, yeah. It's stupid, even down to the stupid thing, like, we're going to have Len and JD wear ties. Why? Who gives a shit about that? Um, but it's very clear that they don't have people in key positions who appreciate the history bad or good, or embrace it, of the Cubs. So there's a lot of stuff they just, they don't even know. Like, they don't even think about it. And they're, like, old games and stuff that would be cool to kick up, they, you know, honestly, they should, we should send them. I'll create a little box set of Remember This Crap, and they can just plow their way through it, give <laughs> it to an go. intern, and tell the intern, you're going to be, you're, you're going to be the guy now who helps us pick, you know, games and segments and stuff. Because it's very clear they don't, like, they don't know what happened. They brought a bunch of outsiders in, and there's nobody there with, like, an institutional knowledge of the Cubs to help them do things that appeal to actual Cub fans. They seem to think that they can do this weird, generic MLB network broadcast all the time, and that we're going to lap it up because we somehow that's what we want. It's like, no, that's not what we want. Um, and they don't even... I'm not going to get on this tangent again about why... Um, why I hate Ryan Dempster. A big part of it is that he, Marquis encourages him to do his hack impression of Harry. Mm-hmm. You know, there was a reason Cub fans really liked Harry. I mean, and some of it was the, you know, Harry's drunk again and the Budweiser commercials and all that stuff. But what we liked about Harry was Harry would never bullshit us. When things were exactly. bad, you knew it. Because Harry was... Ah, and he was a little... He was. <laughs> I will give him this. He was kinder to the Cubs than he had been... Uh, to the Cardinals and the A's and the White Sox. He was a little more mellow, and I think he felt like he had to tone it down a little bit for WGN, but he didn't tone it down that much. Um, A good example of that is um, GN uh, AM um, on some anniversary of the Sandberg game replayed the radio broadcast. And Which I, Harry was a part of because it was a national right, game. Cause right, because it was an NBC game. So instead of just getting Harry for the middle three, Harry was there for, I'm, I know, I'm sure he did at least the first three and the and the last three. He may very well have stayed through the middle too just because he had nothing else to do. Um, you know, the Cubs get down in that game and Harry's pissed. Like, you know, he hates, the, he hated the Cardinals because they had, you know, they had fired him. And you know, here was a Bobby big, here was a big game. You know, the Cubs were finally looked like they might be good, and they were finally going to be able to compete with the Cardinals. And he wanted that he you know he wanted them to beat them every time. And things are going bad, and Harry's mad. And then when they have the big comeback, and then you know, obviously the two Sam comes, he loses his mind because it's exciting, but also Harry's like fuck you to the Cardinals. <laughs> and it's like I don't know how you communicate to Marquis. It's like that's what we want. Exactly. We want the like feeling how- that that the person, the people that are like presenting this game to us, are as invested in it as we are. They're not like these, you know, kind of, uh, you know, thirty thousand feet observers. 
you know, classing up the broadcast. Like, we don't really need that. Um, but I get real nitpicky. Like, one of the things that bothers me is their stupid score bug. They're the only team, because I see, you know, I see, I watch lots of games. When, um, when they put the mile per hour for the pitch up, they replace the count with it. Every other team replaces the pitch total for the pitcher. Because I don't know how many times you look up after a pitch and you just want to know what the count is and you have to wait for the stupid number to roll back around again. And they're like, oh, I'm sure that's a little thing. Yeah, it's a little thing you get wrong. And you get enough exactly. little things wrong and they all turn into one big thing. And it just pisses people like me off. But Right, and, and it's more important to the game to really know like what the count is at all times. And you know maybe later in the game you want to know the pitch count, but like you really need to know the pitch count like you know, first couple innings when it goes away after the miles per hour. I mean, yeah. Yeah, and they didn't, for a long time, they didn't have the, they didn't have the pitcher up there. They didn't have the batter up there. It's like, the other thing is, they have a weird, I'm getting real nitpicky now, but what the hell. See, towards the end of the podcast, people hanging in, they must really want to listen to me bitch. Um, I don't understand why, and they're not the only ones. Nobody who's covered the Cubs since they've gone to kind of the scorebug era. Shouldn't the Cubs scorebug kind of replicate the Wrigley scoreboard? Like, yes. shouldn't it, shouldn't it have a amazing. green background? Shouldn't the numbers look like the tiles that you put up? Couldn't you actually do the graphic where when the score changed, like, it looked like they were actually changing the tile on the scoreboard? So, so it's funny you bring that up. I remember in... This might be something that Huey might bring up when you guys hit 2010 on the wheel. I remember the first year of Ricketts, before they had the video boards up there, but when it was still the, like, electronic message board underneath center field, I remember, like, when batters would come up, it would come up in that kind of style, and, like, thinking, you know, a couple years later that, like, you know, they're going to have their own TV network, and they're going to have video boards in the park that, like, that would be a nice little feature that they could have in there. And it's, yeah, that, it's funny you bring that up. Yeah. I mean, because I, I give these things way too much thought. Like, if I was designing their score bug, it would, it would be roughly the shape of the, big, of the center field scoreboard. Obviously, we wouldn't have all the unless people want to get magnifying glasses out. We wouldn't have any of the other scores on it. But it would have the clock, like, centered yes. and kind of sitting up on top. And the clock would actually work. Like you could right, actually look actually at, it and you could see what time what it is. Time it is at yeah, that even time. though nobody <laughs> needs that, it would just be a cool little extra feature. And then, like, you could even have the bottom when it kind of pops up. Like when you, if if you want to like update hits and stuff, then they can be yellow, just like they are on the real scoreboard. Yes. It's like th- instead what they did. I mean, if you watch a Mets game, the Cubs have the Mets scorebook. It's the exact same thing, except the Mets actually do theirs right. The um. The mile per hour replaces the pitch count. It doesn't replace the the batter count. It, just the pitch total. And it's like, well, I mean, they, they cut it. It's they half-ass so much of this. I mean, there's so much cool stuff they could have done, and you could think of all this cool stuff, and then like watch what they do, and it's like they don't do any of it. What do they do that's so like cool? They don't. Everything they do is a punchline. Like tonight, you know. It's they couldn't find any parents to interview, so we got we literally got an entire half inning with Ian Happ's high school baseball coach. Who gives a shit? Right. 
know, seriously, like, we get it. Ian happens from Pittsburgh. We know this already. It's like, look, I know you have like you know they have they to play a few national games. You got like 150 some games to do. I get it. You've got a lot of dead time. But it's you. They lean on the same shit over and over and over again. I mean, you just you dread it if they you know if a, a player makes his debut if they can find a relative they're going to hassle him. I do think that when uh, so they finally ran into the Schwindels when they went to Yankee Stadium. That's right because he's from Jersey. Yeah, yeah. and so uh, so Frank Schwindel's dad's name is Frank. They interviewed him. Frank's father-in-law is also named Frank. They interviewed him, and he was <laughs> he was drunk and screaming. And that was actually entertaining. But uh, Taylor wasn't there. It was Elise, and I could just imagine Taylor somewhere mm. so jealous that Elise got to interview the father-in-law, and she has never done that, so she'll have to find one. But she got to make up for it with a freaking baseball coach. The other thing, and I make fun of this all the time, but he does it a lot. Like, Boog will, and I like Boog fine, um, but he'll be talking about, like, uh, a player, and he'll, like, look through his stats, and he'll be like, oh, my God, this guy, he hit three eighty seven in college. He's like shocked that they were. Like, it's like boom, everyone it, hits three eighty seven. Is it in really college. surprising you that a major league baseball player was good in college? And like they were going over what, what incredible stats Ian Happ had in high school. It's like, yeah, he's a major league baseball player. Uh, they pretty much all have ridiculous yeah. high school stats. In you fact, make it uh, to the major leagues. In yeah, fact, you make uh, it to the, the major league. Uh, his high school coach was like. Um, you know, his, we I had coached his brother. His brother was really good. And I coached him, and he put up the the the, the best numbers any high schooler is ever going to put up. And then he talks about something else for a little bit, and he goes, "Well, then he went to Cincinnati because none of the big schools were recruiting." <laughs> it's like, all right, well, uh, what was the thing about he put up the biggest numbers any uh, high schooler is ever going <sighs> to? All right. Well, I've worn myself out complaining about uh, these things. Um, so yeah, I think this is a good catch up for people who wanted to hear, uh, people bitch on this podcast about the Cubs. So I appreciate you helping me out. Of course. Um, Happy to do it anytime. Yes. I mean, I think, uh, the going forward, they're going to need to be complained about more often. So I'm sure we will, uh, we will do this again. Um, so, uh, so thanks a lot, Mike. Oh, I didn't get you, didn't, I didn't let you do any plugs at the beginning. I don't know if you had anything to plug. Um, like, well, how can people f- follow you on, on the Twitter? Uh, Twitter is Prazmaster, first four letters of my last name, Master. I've had that nickname since high school. Same with Instagram, and uh, that's pretty much it. Yeah, follow me on Twitter for some terrible jokes and some inane Cubs memes. and That's, <laughs> that's what Twitter's for. For sure. All right. Well, thank you, Mike. Yeah, of course, Andy. Thank you very much for having me on. Many of us have herpes. 